Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're going to be talking about uh, paranoia, which is a, a very deep insecurity that some people have. All of us, I believe, have some paranoid thoughts. If you have any fear-based thoughts in your life, you certainly have some degree of paranoia that follows and so, you know, if you've ever experienced a feeling of paranoia, and what that is is an unrealistic or exaggerated belief that other people mean you harm, and, you're, you know, you're certainly not alone in this world if you feel that way. You know, around one in four people have regular thoughts filled with suspicion, and almost all of us experience paranoia at some point in our life. For most people, you know, these thoughts are just temporary. And relatively mild, but for the small minority, they're very persistent. They're they're powerful. They're they're profoundly uh, distressing. And in psychiatry, uh, the experiences at the most debilitating end of paranoia are are termed persecutory delusions, and they're associated with a variety of serious problems, which includes anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. So as a result, people with severe paranoia are often admitted to psychiatric care, typically with a diagnosis such as schizophrenia, or, uh, they're, and they're often treated with antipsychotic drugs. But, um, you know, uh, antipsychotics don't work for everyone, and their side effects can be so unpleasant that many people refuse to take them. Moreover, there's a compelling evidence to suggest that the concept of schizophrenia doesn't stand up scientifically, operating instead as a catch-all for a variety of distinct and frequently unrelated experiences. So, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that schizophrenia exists. However, what the general uh, psychology view of it is it may be too big. It may be the catch-all, kind of like the ADHD kid. Um, you know, and, and we all know that paranoia is far more common than ever assumed. I mean, its core is a deep-seated belief that we're in danger, we're not safe. Uh, the, the belief appears to be partly genetic in origin and partly as a result of things that happen to us in our lives, like bullying, for example, uh, suffering and assault. Uh, being being uh, brought up on uh, on a, a challenging uh, by you know environmentalists that are saying there's something in the air. I mean, there could be all kinds of things that traumatize us that basically can bring on uh, paranoia. And so there are a range of of uh, maintenance factors that increase the chances of paranoia taking hold. And one of those things is sleeplessness and, and thinking negatively about ourselves and others, and a tendency to uh, uh, reasoning biases such as jumping to conclusions. Big, big uh, people that are very judgmental oftentimes uh, have deep degrees of paranoia. Uh, not considering uh, alternative explanations is a, a sign that a person may be uh, fairly paranoid. Also, uh, uh, avoiding other people's company. That is another extreme that happens with paranoia because that's just another person to be paranoid about. And so, you know, it, it follows that these maintenance factors that a person that's paranoid has to do is, is very, very cumbersome, especially sleeplessness. Sleeplessness is really bad. 
uh, because it preys on every weakness we possibly have in our lives. And so, you know, the results of research is, is that there is a large uh, group of people that actually su suffers uh, pervasive paranoia in this life. And, and I could tell you, uh, it's interesting to look at uh, the re our presidential reaction to the presidential uh, election has brought out deep paranoia uh, assumptions that a lot of people are making and reacting on as if many of them are real. And it's very strange how emotional uh, people are getting when they don't have all the facts. So uh, anyway, the bottom line is, and I'm not saying take a side. I mean, I'm just saying that a lot of people are drawing uh, conclusions based on very small amounts of data. You know, excessive worry is associated with a host of uh, psychological problems, including uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, alcohol, drug problems, insomnia, eating disorders. And, and it's also a significant role in paranoia, it is surprisingly har uh, harsh, is that uh, worry tempts us to give um, the most implausible, distressing ideas credibility. And so people that are being treated have to be told um, that, hey, you got to calm down. You're drowning in your fears. And they have to be uh, given a different perspective, and they have to be given it uh, consistently until they actually buy into it. Now, there is a thing called a paranoid personality disorder. And so this, this uh, word, uh, personality, describes deeply ingrained patterns of behavior and manner in which the individual perceives, relates to, and thinks about themselves and their world. So they basically have a philosophy. The personality uh, traits are very uh, conspicuous features of the personality, and they're not necessarily pathologically uh, pathological, although certain types of personality traits may cause interpersonal problems. So personality disorders are enduring patterns of inner experience and behavior that uh, deviates from the expectations of an individual's culture. So they must be very rigid. They must be very inflexible. They must be maladaptive and suffer uh, sufficient uh, severity to cause impairment in their social functioning and internal distress within themselves. So this personality disorder, paranoid personality, is a tendency to interpret the actions of other people as deliberately threatening or demeaning. And the disorder surf, uh, surfacing by early uh, adulthood is comes about by a sense of distress and unjustified suspicion that yields persistent a misinterpretation of others' intentions as being malicious. So, you know, this kind of person has a lot of conspiracy theories, lots of conspiracy theories out there, and they function on that, and they function that as a premise of how they view the world and how they view others. You know, despite, you know, in relationships, paranoia just runs rapid. It can destroy a relationship so fast because despite functioning perfectly well in other areas of their life, uh, they can still develop symptoms of paranoia that are very difficult for a partner to deal with. This, this means this person may function just fine out in public, but when they get into a relationship, that relationship becomes toxic because of that paranoid person actually projects all their fear into the relationship itself. So people who suffer from paranoia are often very creative people. They have very vivid imaginations, and it's these imaginative minds that basically serve to create delusions and paranoia, which is caused by uh, scenarios that uh, they feel are real. 
And so when low self-esteem is present, it's quite possible to become convinced that we do not deserve good things happening in our life or that we're not worthy of being in a relationship with our partner and our relationship is sure to fail, which is a self-fulfilling prophecy. And it's brought on, uh, it brings on along with it not only paranoid thoughts, but also depression. And so this is a very deep burden uh, for a person in a relationship. And the fear of losing the relationship can become so great that we can struggle to cope. And instead of waiting to see what will happen in due course, we allow other emotions to creep in, such as paranoia. So paranoia just becomes the regular thing in the relationship. Now, it takes a, a, per a person that's basically a saint to stay with a paranoid person. However, there are ways to cope with that person. You know, it's not always possible to differentiate uh, paranoia from genuine fear. So it's important to fully understand what the fears are, what the anxieties are, what the other emotions are, and address the issues so, so that we can work out what is real and what is not. Otherwise, we have to basically cater to this paranoid person just to get them to stop being delusional. Basically, what happens with a partner in this kind of a relationship is they cater and they cater and they cater to that person sphere till, till finally their life is pretty much just closed off and limited to habits that they have to do every day simply because the person they're with is always investigating and always wondering what they're doing and what's happening. And it's kind of scary. You know, paranoia is an emotion that can creep into relationships without us even realizing it. So what, what we think is reality and what actually is reality can be two very different things. So when you're dealing with a paranoid partner, it's very, it's very important to, to at least listen to their perception and allow them to have their perception. Don't fight it. Don't try to change it. Allow them to hear their own thoughts and you yourself acknowledge and validate their thoughts. That doesn't mean you agree. But you do validate them, and that's where you begin with a partner like this. You also don't want to react defensively. If you're with a partner that's paranoid, you want to listen, and you want to accept their perception of the truth. And accept it doesn't mean you agree, but what it does mean is you're not defending, and so their paranoia is not going to uh, go crazy at that moment because they can get psychotic really fast. You know, the more we give energy to negative thoughts, the more our fears begin to feel real. So as our mind repeats the negative thoughts and emotions so often that they eventually feel realistic and we believe fully that something bad is going to happen. And so that is tested by the reaction of the partner in the relationship. So if the partner hears something they don't like in that paranoid uh, person's thinking where they're, they're just totally off base, what happens is if they get a dramatic reaction to their paranoia, it, it actually reinforces their paranoia. So you have to be a very calm person in a relationship with a person, and you have to have a lot of patience with a person that is paranoid. And, and when we meet someone for the first time, we do not have that, that same deep-seated emotions that exist when, when we're further down in a relationship path and more intimately involved. So as relationships progress, the feelings often grow stronger, and the fear of losing the relationship can grow more intense with anxieties, worries, doubts, insecurities all kicking in. But, you know, it's a leap of faith. A relationship is a leap of faith. There is no guarantees. It's two people have to vest themselves and they have to continue to work in the relationship. And that work is called trust, not love, trust. That is what you will always argue about. Paranoid people have very, very little trust. 
And what you have to continue to do is ask them to have faith in you so that they will eventually grab on to trust. And within a relationship, you know, paranoia can occur even if the relationship is seemingly loving and stable and where there have been no previous signs of mistrusting behavior. But out of nowhere, a thought can pop into somebody's mind, even in a dream, and alerts this person uh, that, that uh, this relationship might end. And they may also meet someone else or various others, and, and which all derives from fear. So doubts can occur, which make us wonder if our partner is honest and truthful with us. And if these questions repeat in the mind, they can cause us to look for information to basically justify, warrant, clarify, and confirm suspicion. So when this happens, the mind is often not rational as uh, we begin to be flooded with fear. And this fear clouds our thinking and, and any small piece of information that may compound it and may agree with the paranoia becomes incredibly important. You know, at this stage of looking into the confirmation of your paranoia, any evidence that uh, may be found to dispute the fears may be ignored and cast aside in favor of more uh, in, in, in incriminating evidence. And so basically this person is turning into a detective against the very person that they love. And uh, it's sad. You know, when feeling paranoid, we can begin to analyze everything and everyone that crosses our path to further strengthen the debate that is going on in our minds. And we can become uh, desperate to find bits of information to prove that the feelings we're experiencing is a gut feeling and that our intuition is not wrong. Well, don't mistake intuition for fear. Don't mistake intuition for emotions. Don't mistake intuition for depression. Self-fulfilling prophecies do become reality when they are cemented in your mind because that is the only outcome you will allow to happen. You know, it is possible to restrain the way our brain thinks so that when a negative thought comes along, we can notice how it feels for the moment and then we learn to let it go. So if the thought reoccurs, ask if it is justified. And if you think about emotional intelligence, any emotion cannot last more than three minutes. So those emotions, if that emotion is happening more than three minutes, that means you're feeding it with thoughts. And the way you turn emotions off is you stop feeding it with thoughts and just sit with the emotion. You know, yeah, I, I'm feeling scared. Yep, I'm feeling really, really scared. And basically what happens is you just focus on the, the uh, fear or whatever the emotion is, it dies because it doesn't have anything to feed it. You know, when we are aware of how we're feeling, we instantly gain some control over it if we allowed ourselves to deflate it. When we feel a, a negative emotion occurring, we, we should just stay still and let it sit there and listen to what it's telling us, and we will instantly feel differently about it. That once we let that time pass, we get a better view of it and where it's coming from. But with paranoia, paranoia just mounts logic upon logic upon logic on what they think is their intuition and they start to look for ways to reinforce that logic and it just turns them into a psychotic mess. They're trying to control another person, which you are not allowed to do that. We all control our own fate, our own destiny, but they continue to try to control and control and control because they can't imagine a world where they're not in control because in their mind, they're in complete control. So a loving relationship is one with the most important things that we can have in our lives. So it goes without saying 
that we have to begin, if we're going to be in a relationship, we have to trust our partner. We have to at least have faith in them and to the point that we will trust them. Otherwise, you shouldn't be with them. It's a miserable relationship. So every relationship, if you're getting counseling, if you're trying to resolve a problem, it's how can we get back to trust? How can we get back to trust? So a person that is paranoid doesn't want to trust, and it goes against all of their nature to trust. And so we have to work from that. And once again, that is teaching them not about religion, but about faith, having faith in their partner, having faith in a relationship. You know, if, if you look at the law of attraction, quite often when we focus hard on something, it can end up um, materializing. And so what, I, what I'm trying to get to is in the law of attraction, a paranoid person focusing on having a partner, that partner can actually take their attention and they're closing in on them and they're questioning everything. And basically they take that as I'm needed. And so sometimes people get into relationships with these paranoid folks and basically they take that as being needed. And what they end, they end up finding out is they have no life after that. They have their partner's life, not their life. And that can be extremely frustrating. So how do you cope with a paranoid partner? You know, if you live with a person who eavesdrops, who feels uh, rejected for no reason, they seek endless reassurance, but they're never reassured. They think others are looking badly at them or they, they sneak into private communications. They make false accusations. That all takes a toll. While many of us, you know, feel may be suspicious or rejected or excluded or hypersensitive from time to time, chronic paranoia in a functioning person, one who works, socializes, has a family, can be a monumental problem. And it, it's painful for the paranoid person and heartbreaking for the accused. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to work on how to help a person who's in a relationship with a paranoid partner. Thanks for listening. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about paranoia, which is a huge, deep insecurity. And we're talking about how to cope with a paranoid partner at this point. And, and you know, you've got to think about with that paranoid partner, you've really got to be a good listener. And you've really got to be flat in your affect, meaning that you're not somebody that's going to get deeply defensive at something that they have to say. You know, the, the paranoid person, they have a lot of persecutory interpretations of normal events, something like, uh, how come I got the cheaper present? You know, why are you talking about me behind my back? You're having dinner with someone else and leaving me out. Or she gave me a dirty look because I, I didn't uh, do something. And uh, they're all ganging up on me. These are paranoid thoughts. And so... Uh, you know, it's particularly uh, difficult to diagnose and treat uh, a delusional disorder of the personality type. You know, the sufferer is gripped by a delusion, a fixed false belief that involves a singular situation or a person. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a circumscribed uh, delusion. You know, a, a wife may know that her husband is cheating on her with a neighbor or a person is convinced that a coworker is snooping in his desk or a manager is clear that employees are plotting to get them fired or an adult child is immovable in their belief that their uh, father's new wife uh, cut him out of, out of the will or whatever. I mean, these fixed false beliefs play around in the notion or a person while the other in other ways they, they really create a huge sense of drama and uh, malfunction in a family or any type of relationship system. You know, th and the other thing is they don't think they're paranoid. You know, they do not think they're paranoid. They believe that they alone are into a conspiracy or a crime or an act of uh, malevolence and that they are the victim of it. And they can become terrifying if the fantasy turns into action. I mean, they once they get into that delusional state, they act off that delusional state as if it is real. And this can be crazy making. You know, you may need to, they, they may need to feel that they should retaliate against the people that have assaulted them in some way. And, and so their executive functioning, their ability to control their brain's emotions is not able to understand or calm them down. So they get into the psychotic state. You know, uh, it's not uncommon for paranoid people to have the police summoned or innocent people uh, get it being accused or besmirched or traumatized. And uh, manipulators may also lie to the law enforcement. Um, and and uh, basically, you know, there's all kinds of raging spouses out there that call the police with false claims of abuse when they were actually the one uh, using their words to hurt. You know, uh also, people that are well-meaning and don't want to deal with the paranoid person will just validate them. They do, you know, head shakes, back pats, disdaining words. 
basically agreeing with them or meddling on the behalf of uh, uh, the, the underdog. Basically, they feel like they're supporting the underdog. And they give them gentle consideration and curiosity, but basically underneath it all, they just want to get out of their way and not have to deal with them. So basically, they they validate this uh, paranoid person, and it just feeds them more and more and more. So you know what you want to do if you're with somebody is you want to think about the accusation. Does it seem off? You know, a good tactic is to empathize with the feeling but to neither agree or disagree with the facts. So can we control how another person feels? Absolutely not. And all of this is emotion. And so what we have to do is we got to back off and just validate and understand that we're not here to control their emotions. These are their emotions and they have to figure out how to work through them, but we don't want to contribute to their emotional disdain. You know, one cannot truly grasp this 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 illness without an understanding that character characteristics can conflict and people can say one thing while another may be true and people can be far more troubled than they appear at any rate if if you can get the person to treatment and 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 then chaos heartbreak and destruction can be avoided and that's what you want you want them to to get treatment you want them to seek someone who can talk to them here's the sad news is there's a lot of therapists that'll get people like this and they don't even want to deal with it and they just basically validate the hell out of them and then they walk out of the office thinking their paranoid delusion is true and so that's sad you know that if you're hearing something that is not quite rational your job is to try to go back and have them rationalize it back to you you know, you've got to take it on. You know, it, it's it's loving support that this kind of person needs. And, uh, you know, and the person usually will decline professional help because they don't believe they're delusional. But if you're in a relationship with somebody that's like this, you need to ask them, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do this for me because you're wearing me down. You're wearing me down, and I don't want this relationship to end. I love you. I care for you, but I can't live like this. And, and if you do that, the paranoid person is faced with themselves. So if you're with a, a paranoid person experiencing worry and despair, you got to realize you're not alone. There's a lot of people out there that have paranoid partners. You know, uh, consultation uh, will not likely alter uh, paranoid convictions or delusions. Professional help can make a big difference and bring relief. And it's not shameful, but you have to get the right fit. And you don't want to argue with the delusion or collude or be empathetic. You just want to you just want to empathize. Go to the emotion, not the facts. Go to the emotion, not the facts. When you're talking to a paranoid person, empathize with the emotion. Don't go to the facts and try to beef up their case. You know, a paranoid or otherwise mentally ill person can contribute to a family, work, and life in many positive ways. And because of their circumscribed nature. They, they are involved and their accusations may be aware and may be out there to kind of detract from them or, or deflect from them and place all responsibility on other people. So what you want to do is you want to gather, reflect and observe and look below the surface before getting swept up in, in uh, somebody's false claim of paranoia. You know, if you want to stop insecurity in a relationship – you know, at least what you want to do is settle it down. You know, relationships are a security issue. So when we enter an intimate relationship, we can feel very emotional, vulnerable, 
especially if we felt let down or hurt in other relationships. And so one of the big questions and when you're getting into a, a relationship is, will they reject me? Have I done something to upset them? You know, this is just too good to last. There are uh, typical thoughts and feelings of chronically insecure partners, and being insecure is a whole lot of work. So what does it involve? It involves seeing problems where none exist. When we become anxious about anything, we start looking for signs of things going wrong. So, you know, nervous signs. And of course, we usually find what we're looking for, even if it isn't really there at all. We also perform uh, uh, consistent monitoring do they look fed up? Why do they say that? How are these people treating me now that they have this information? What are they doing with it? Blah, blah, blah. You know, so they feel threatened. They, they uh, feel less attentive. And, um, you know, they're looking at, at people as why they're, they're, they're pausing or if they're reacting differently to them based on an event in their life or whatever and what they suspect they know and what they may not know. You know, um, stop you know, confusing imagination with reality, making stuff up and then believing it is a surefire way for self-torment. You know, you have to be able to back down off of this normal mechanism of looking at the worst and trying to project it into your life. You know, you have to have the, the strength to know that most people in this life, not all people, but especially people that love us, are well-intended. Well-intended people make mistakes all the time. So, you know, if you're going to be a persecutory person, what you have to begin to do if you want to pull away from that lifestyle is look at intentions and then challenge those. What were you doing? How did you decide to do this? And by doing that, you're giving that person respect, number one, and you're challenging the process of their decision-making and allowing them to communicate respectfully what they're saying or what they did. But if you come to a conclusion and you look at them and act, at the, act uh, towards them as if your conclusion is correct, even if it's not, then what you're doing is you're hearing them through a filter of your only beliefs and you're not giving them respect of listening to them. So once again, if you're a paranoid person, stop going to the, your projected outcome and start to question the process of their decision making by asking what and how questions that is the way you find to the middle. Okay, so next time you feel insecure, ask yourself what, what it is you're imagining. Write it down, write it down. You know, insecurity will kill a relationship. Insecurity drives people to become too clingy and needy, and this creates a lot of problems. You know, um, you also wanna avoid the certainty trap. You know, overcoming relationship insecurity is partly about becoming less controlling. This may sound strange, but, you know, this relationship must be exactly as I think it should be is normally the thought of a paranoid person. And that over-control is a sign of deep insecurity in the relationship and in that person in the relationship. So having to know whether your partner really loves you, having to know this or having to know that puts on a lot of uncertainty and strain and tension in the relationship. To constantly be challenged for what you're doing in life as a partner can be devastating and it, it can suck you dry. You know, it's a self-assurance comes from starting with uh, relaxation, with uncertainty, and understanding that people are well-intended, our partner is well-intended, and everybody's head's right. 
And that's what we want to focus on. And you don't confront a partner, by the way, with anything until you have all the facts and you've made a decision what you're going to do about it. So let's say you do think your partner is having an affair and you do a full investigation, but you don't treat them like you're investigating them. What you want to do is do the full investigation, have all the facts, make the decision about what you want to do, present them with the facts. And at that point, you respectfully either end the relationship or decide to forgive. So, you know, that's kind of how you want to challenge a relationship. You never do it on paranoid beliefs. You never argue on paranoid beliefs if you can help it. You know, give the relationship some room to breathe if you're in a lot of confrontation. You know, when you plant a seed in the ground, you need to give it time uh, to, to grow. You need sunlight, it needs water, it needs air. You need to give it space to develop. So your relationship needs to breathe too. So, you know, set, schedule separate time and just see it for what it is develop you know a sense of togetherness and be able to get away from the problems and stop living in the accusations you know sometimes if you move away from the accusations the accusations lose their basis so you know the, the other thing that a paranoid person does is they mind read they're constantly wondering if your partner is thinking a, a, a quick you know route to getting out of the relationship if they say one thing but does so you know they assume another their behavior is really hard to read. You know, many men relax by not talking. Constantly wondering and asking what someone is thinking is a dead end because even if they do tell, will you believe them anyway? You know, it, it's kind of strange, but uh, people love to mind read that are paranoid. And this happens when we assume we know what someone is thinking when we don't. So when you stop doing it, you really begin to respect someone's privacy because everyone deserves the right to have space and to think their own thoughts. You know, constantly asking, what are you thinking, can make someone want to withdraw further and not even communicate. And you also, if you're a paranoid person, you want to stop comparing current relationships to past ones. Have you ever taken an instant disliking or liking to someone merely because they reminded you of someone else who you disliked or liked? Some people do this with whole relationships because they were in a relationship with someone who was abusive, very critical, dishonest, left them. You know, they respond to a new partner defensively and angrily, in fact, when the new partner is not really like the old one at all. So they project that old relationship and those behaviors from that old relationship into this new relationship. You know, in, and uh, the extreme form of uh, sloppy comparison can lead to very destructive overgeneralizations. You know, all men are lying bastards. All women are promiscuous money grabbers. These assumptions are a horrible premise to live off of because people are gray. They're just gray. You know, if you suspect you've been, you know, making uh, faulty or unfair comparisons between your current partner and your former one, then write a list of all the destructive traits of your former partner. Now, next, with this list, make a list for your current partner and then look and see how different those two people are and then you begin to form the relationship around the partner you have rather than the partner you broke up with you know if you want security seek self-assurance rather than always looking to the other person to make you feel secure in your relationship get into the habit of reassuring yourself you know start to challenge your own fears and imaginings rather than just accepting them ask yourself hold on a second what real evidence is there for this fear? And at some, at the same time, you can focus on the thought, okay, nothing in this life is certain, and I can live with that. Even if this relationship did end, I'm strong enough to go through it 
and to write it out and we'll have learned a lot of things from it. So we all need to go from the flow in relationships. We all fear the end of the world, but that's like living for death rather than living your life. You know, if you're living for how you die, you're never going to live life and really enjoy it. You know, a person that's always afraid that they're going to die or afraid they're going to get sick or they're afraid uh, their partner is going to leave is never going to enjoy the moments they have. And so to live life, you have to operate with a sense of faith that things will work out and I have what it takes to move on. And you have to continuously reassure yourself. If you're an insecure person with paranoia, you want to focus on the good. Relationships are meant to be fun, at least some of the time. And so insecure per people look for signs of what's not working. And uh, you need to look for what is working. Doing this will get you and your partner feeling naturally more positive. No meaningful relationship will always totally work at all the time. So being too black or too white about relationships spells a lot of trouble. There's always some difficulties, but keeping focus on what is good is important. You know, we want to know when we're doing well. As a matter of fact, we respond better to when we're doing well. And when our partner is focusing on the good in us, it makes us feel good. And that means our relationship is stronger. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about paranoia at work and how to deal with it. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at DRGBMFT for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or DRGBMFT.com. Remember, DrGBMFT.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week, she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email... It'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about paranoia. We just finished a segment on relationships and paranoia. And, uh, you know, I did fail to mention one other thing that's very important. And that is, you know, you never know who you married until you divorced them. And if you divorce a person and get into a relationship with a person that's paranoid and you happen to get married, you have to realize that there's a contract involved. And that can actually turn into a lot of money down the road and a lot of life down the road that you may have to put behind you. So, you know, if you've got an ultra paranoid partner, you really want to think about before marrying that person, can I do this? Can I do this for the long run? And this is for mental health of, of people that are in a relationship with a paranoid person. Now, um, let's talk about paranoia at work. You know, trust can be a good thing in business, but some leaders uh, are worthy of distrust. And so the question is, when uh, connecting the dots on suspicion at work, how can you be sure you're right? You know, you have to look at people in management. If you work for a company, you got to think in terms of, is this a power manager or is this an educational manager? Now, now, what is the difference? Well, a power manager is usually someone who's looking to be in lots of positions. They want to be a change, uh, a person that makes a lot of changes, and they want to come in and, and make everything happen, and they're fairly self-serving. They have a goal, and they're self-serving, and anybody that's along with their goal, they're for it, and anybody that's not, they're really not into them. And so the other kind of manager out there is usually the one that doesn't uh, get promoted that often. Uh, usually they're kind of under the radar, and that's called an educational manager. Now, it's very hard for these people to promote through, but these are the people that everybody loves and trusts because they're there to help the, their people. They work for their people. They don't work for the company. They support the people that work under them, and so their job is to make them better. And that's an educational manager. Now, th th these are kind of extreme terms, but when you're looking at somebody about trust and mistrust, you really have to look at their motives. And uh, I'm not saying be paranoid about them, but understand what kind of manager is this? You know, the human brain is really hardwired to seek out and, and overweight certain types of information. You know, uh, misconnecting the dots, the origins or the dynamics of uh, paranoia, it, it can be very, very uh, devastating for any employee, you know, so the, you know what you want to do is is understand how people are personalizing interactions. People begin to read their own personal story into a situation. You know, the reason I, I wasn't inviting to that meeting is because they all discussed it and actively decided to exclude me. You know, thinking the worst. We often make paranoid attributions about certain behaviors. A lot of us have experienced uh, this in email. You know, if you send an email to a superior and they don't get back to you right away and you begin to ruminate about why they're mad at me and that, oh, what have I done to disappoint them? They're pushing me away when in fact it may be they're just busy and they're not even reading the email. Also, conspiracy theories at work can be very de uh, destructive for you. This tends to be social in nature. You know, like my colleague uh, didn't get back to me or come to think of it, my boss didn't either, and suddenly I begin to put these pieces together, and now I've got my own conspiracy theory. And then you start to live in it, and it's so sad that people will do this. So how do you keep your suspicions from spinning out of control? Well, you want to be in a mindful status, and those with uh, fewer resources or less power have a tendency toward hypervigilance. And, and a, 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 this is a physiological factor that can exacerbate 
uh, misperceptions. So lower status groups tend to look around vigilantly for any evidence to support their theory because they have a lot of those and they have a lot to lose. And if they get it wrong, uh, basically they feel that something is going to happen to them at work. So, you know, the bottom line is you don't want to feed into your status and making more or less of your status. Just be who you are. You know, get the facts. Also, if you start developing this ruminating paranoid insecurity, get the facts. You know, once you've come to a conclusion, try to prove yourself wrong, not right. So a whole body of research suggests that people who to tend to seek uh, uh, confirmation evidence that they're being excluded, which is a natural thing to do, but the rational approach is to try to validate your conclusions with facts. Gather data, including information that might uh, dis, uh, disconfirm your interpretation. And, uh, you know, doctors, teachers, uh, scientists, people are, tr are trained to do this. And this is something you have to do for yourself. The other thing is talk to the person that you consider to be your enemy. Having conversations and having communications with people that you are paranoid about, people that you have deep-seated fears about, you may come to find that you like these people. You may find that all of the assumptions you've made to dehumanize them are basically cultural perspectives on that person rather than introspection of that person. The other thing is you want to avoid isolation. You know, if you keep your suspicions to yourself and, and you confine yourself to only a few friends, and they share your point of view or just put up with your point of view, it really fuels paranoia. You do not want to, if you want to survive in a job, you do not want to surround yourself with people who validate your paranoia. What you want to do is surround yourself with all kinds of people, including the ones you think are bad. And, you know, this is something, if you surround yourself with yes people, you know, look at uh, this is something that uh, Richard Nixon did and Lyndon Johnson did, and uh, their their presidencies basically went to hell in a handbasket because by surrounding themselves with yes people, no one confronted them, no one truly gave them the kind of facts that they needed, and they took this country in very strange uh, places that were detrimental to citizens. You know, paranoia has many uh, symptoms from mild to severe. You know, in the mild form, it, it can cause insomnia, sleeplessness, loss of appetite, laziness, just laying in bed, basically depression, anxiety, all that fun stuff. So when, when this becomes more severe, people uh, will have some uh, behavioral disorders such as thinking or saying about things that just aren't true. And so basically they begin having a very strange, strange perception. So here's some other ways to help yourself. You want to learn about your mind, and this is this is meaning you get outside of yourself, and that means you have go to therapy and get have an open discussion with the therapist outside of yourself, so you can actually hear what you're thinking. Because rumination is what paranoid people do; they don't often uh, espouse their their point of view all the time. What they often do is keep it in their head, and they just roll it around and roll it around and roll it around. And by doing that, they can drive themselves crazy. Some of these people actually need to process that thought in a place where they can hear what they're thinking. And so, you know, by trying to hide their feelings and their, their fear of judgment from other people, you know, keeping and hiding your feelings can be very dangerous because many of us are what are called auditory processors. And that means we don't know really what we're thinking until we actually speak it. The other way to do it is write your thoughts down. 
You know, you want to overcome pessimism. One of the main reasons you may be paranoid is that you tend to think about the worst things in any situation instead of realistic things. You may think that everyone around you is talking badly about you, that everyone hates what you do. However, it's possible that none of them is true. The next time when you have a pessimistic thought, stop it immediately. When you're expecting the worst thing, you may consider all of the possible situation, not just the most negative things. And by doing that, you're becoming realistic. So the fact is, this is one of the best things that can help you is begin by becoming a person who overcomes their pessimism and becomes more realistic. You also want to find the root to any problem. In case you want to get rid of paranoia properly, it's so important to know what it is and where it comes from. And a lot of people have past trauma, and that's where their paranoia comes from. But I have to tell you, if you're sitting going, well, you know, I was uh, molested when I was this young, or I fell off a swing and broke my head or whatever, when you try to validate the reason you're paranoid, you're reinforcing the paranoia. You don't want to sit there and, and, and recall events in your life that actually trigger paranoia and then validate that it's okay to behave like that. It's not okay to behave like that. So what you want to do is find the root to the problem and then find a way to work through it so it no longer has that feeling, that insecurity, that irrational fear surrounding it. You know, the feeling of anxiety, the feeling of victimization with no evidence, the constant worries for being at risk, even if the beliefs are supernatural forces controlling your life. In fact, this is also among the most effective ways to get rid of paranoia that everyone should try and make use of. And, um, you know, get a close friend. If you're paranoid, you need a close friend. Having, and I'm not talking about someone who sits there and agrees with you all the time. I'm talking about somebody who cares about you, who empathizes with your feelings but doesn't validate your thoughts. Having a close friend you can freely talk about about your negative feelings can help you get rid of the worries and get a different outlook. So if you're going to have a friend, you have to listen too. You have to become a good listener. And so what's a good listener do? I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. They validate. They validate validate. That doesn't mean you agree. Even some of the fears can make you see how illogical they may be. In case you, you tell your close friend that you think your, your other friends are actually hating you, your close friend will be able to offer concrete, rational examples that prove your thought is wrong. So you need to make sure to pick a rational friend, not someone who, who may encourage your paranoid beliefs and make you feel even worse. So don't go looking for another insecure person as your best friend. You want to have somebody who is more stable, more rational, less emotional, and more concrete in their points of view. Also, once again, if you're paranoid, you need to sleep. You need to sleep. And don't make sleeping your time to ruminate about your fears. You make sleeping about going to sleep. And that means turn the light off, turn the TV off, stop thinking, and focus on a function. And the function is, how am I breathing? That's how you go to sleep. The other thing is, if you're a paranoid person, you want to always stay busy. Uh, you know, if, if you want to get rid of paranoia, change the subject. Change the subject and force yourself to be attentive to what you're doing. So you stay busy, but you also stay involved. And that means that you're not focusing on your fears. And you also uh, want to stop caring about what uh, everybody thinks. You know, the truth is, and I've said this before, 
that there's a 18-40-60 rule in life, and that rule is basically this. From 18 to 40, we're proving about how important we are, how well we're married, how you see I can have holidays, I've got my wife, I've got my children, I've got money, I can go on vacations, now I'm an adult. See, everybody, I'm an adult. That's what 18 to 40 is all about. Look at me, look at me, look how great I've done with my life. At about 40, you start to realize everybody, including your mom and dad, including your your, your peers, and including your your, your family rarely even think about you unless you're just standing there. And sometimes they're not thinking about you when you're standing there. You know, they don't think about you that much. And so when you understand that, when you come to grips with that, you don't determine that you are so, so important in this life. And by the time you're 60, nobody thinks about you whatsoever. So you can do what the hell you want. You know, but the deal is if you understand that we're not so uh, consumed in what everybody else thinks, we become who we are. And that is the one jail cell you never want to live in, which is how other people view me and managing that rather than living in a life that you enjoy. You know, you want to put yourself out there. Paranoid people are often afraid that no one wants uh, to go out with them. No one wants to be around them. And so they, they bottle themselves up in their home. You know, if you're paranoid, you want to take a deep breath. You want to take a deep breath. And, and, and you want to write down all the kindness in your life in your day. And, and if you can do that, you're going to be able to work yourself out of paranoia. The other thing about paranoia people, they need to have a schedule so it keeps them busy. And they always want to focus on the evidence they have rather than the evidence they make up. And they, you, you, if you're paranoid, you want to force yourself to stay positive and think positive. And you know that alcohol and drugs are not going to help you if you are a paranoid person. All right. That is our show. And our next show is about givers and pleasers. I want to thank everyone for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback. DRGB, uh, G DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net or Twitter at DRGBMFT. Now remember, if you think you're not paranoid, remember how you feel when you see a cop car waiting ahead while driving over the speed limit. Also, if you want to know more about paranoids, follow them around. That's our show. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you.